0: The Laurentian Great Lakes represents about 20% of the surface freshwater on the planet. They are huge by almost any standard. I think they represent about 20% or more of, uh, of Canada's economic uh, GDP.
1: I would re- describe the African Great Lakes as some of the most highly valuable natural resources. They support quite a lot of socioeconomics of the region. They support the ecosystem services that sustains over 50 million people.
0: Almost every threat that we face in North American lakes, the Laurentian Great Lakes, are also faced in the African Great Lakes too.
1: So we realize that we share commonalities, which if we can join hands together, we can be able to make some difference in these lakes.
2: This is the Down to Earth Podcast. This podcast is about extraordinary ideas for a better world. I'm Samit Bath and I'm the editorial and communications manager at IIST Experimental Lakes Area. This episode is about the Great Lakes. Not just the ones in North America, otherwise known as the Laurentian Great Lakes but the ones in Africa too. The African Great Lakes are highly valuable natural resources, renowned for their rich fisheries and biodiversity hotspots. And they underpin the welfare and livelihoods of over 50 million people across 10 countries. And they're more similar to their North American cousins than you might think, as we're about to explore. We'll also be talking about a partnership between the International Institute for Sustainable Development IISD, and the African Centre for Aquatic Research and Education, ACARE. This partnership provides an opportunity for the World's Freshwater Laboratory and networks on the African Great Lakes to come together and strengthen science on these massive freshwater lakes. To find out more about this partnership, I sought out Scott Higgins. He's a research scientist with IISD Experimental Lakes Area, also known as the World's Freshwater Laboratory, and is working on this partnership too we'll hear more about that in a few minutes but first i wanted to know where his interest in the laurentian great lakes came from
0: i grew up in a small town called Port Dover which is on the shores of Lake Erie and lived there till I was about eight and then moved to Thunder Bay which is on the shorelines of Lake Superior and so I I got to live on two of the Laurentian Great Lakes when I was growing up and it's hard to avoid them. (laughs) They're there, they're massive and it's a big part of, of your life when you live there. Uh, And then I spent a lot of time on the uh, small lakes in the Canadian Shield. Our family has a cottage just south of Algonquin Park, and it's lake-rich country, much like it is at the Experimental Lakes area. It's this forested, boreal forest country with lakes everywhere. So I grew up with lakes all around me, and uh, I I just feel
2: very at home in in
0: that environment.
2: Didn't you study in the U.S. too? Was that close to the Great Lakes?
0: So, I did a postdoctoral fellowship at the University of Wisconsin-Madison at the Center for Limnology. It was just to the west of, of Lake Michigan, so, you know, a little more inland. There's lots of lakes there, too, a little different environment for the lakes, more urban lakes uh, there. I was also very fortunate when I was there to get into northern Wisconsin to their field station, which, again, is Lake Ridge country. It, it sort of borders up to Minnesota and the uh, Lake Ridge country that's there, the that, you know, land of 10,000 lakes, so... Yeah, lakes all around. <laughs> what does it mean to you? What's the kind of fun and joy that you glean from it? You know, that's a good question. There's a lot of people who love lakes. And for many people, it's, you know, if you're here in Winnipeg or, or Southern Ontario or wherever, you, you know, on the weekends, you head up to the lake this is what you do. You go. This is where you go and... I think it's, in part, it's cultural. It's living around uh, water and having all of the water sports. I love, I don't do it as much now that uh, I have young kids, but I used to go fishing all the time. I, I love camping and canoeing, backpacking. I love those sort of outdoor activities. And so I think it was just really a natural thing for me to have an interest in
2: studying lakes as well. Much of the work you do, ultimately impacts the Laurentian Great Lakes. So I'm interested, how would you describe the Laurentian Great Lakes?
0: That is a challenging question because uh, it's so open-ended. The thing that strikes me most about those lakes is their massive size. They are huge by almost any standard. And, you know, like there's some of the fun facts about them, the Laurentian Great Lakes represents about 20% of the surface freshwater on the planet. They're just amazingly huge. And they contribute so much to the the local communities and economies that surround them. They're a big part of Canada. They're
2: a big part of the United States in terms of trade. They're they're fascinating ecosystems. So you mentioned the impact that they have on the economy and the culture. Could you go into that a bit more? What impact would you say they have?
0: So the Laurentian Great Lakes are incredibly important in terms of the economics and culture of not only the region, but actually of the United States and Canada. In terms of the economics, the Laurentian Great Lakes have played an incredibly important role in trade, binational trade between Canada and the United States, and also trade with the rest of the world. So a lot of shipping is an incredibly important industry for the region and has been for you know, a century. It's where grain and, and steel and coal and all of our manufacturing goods, they often either come into the, to North America or they leave North America through the Great Lakes, off to destinations all around the globe. So they're really important in trade. They're also really important in industry and things like manufacturing, either through the need for access to trade and supplies that come in from ships, access to water, cooling water, often power plants are often built around the Laurentian Great Lakes. So in terms of the economics these lakes are, I think they represent about 20% or more of, uh, of Canada's economic uh, GDP is in uh, the Great Lakes region. Uh, culturally, you know, I can say from growing up around these lakes that for the people that live around them, they are there and they're magnificent. And uh, they're something that you can't avoid. I think everyone who lives in the region has been down to their beaches and, and has been out on boats and sailing. And for many people, fishing is just an absolute way of life. It's just something when you live in the region, it's it's something you're proud of and that you just, it's just
2: a big part of who you are. You have to choose your favourite Great Lake. Which one is it and why?
0: Well, my favourite Great Lake, well, hands down, it is Lake Erie. I think part of this is because I grew up on Eastern Lake Erie. I was born very close and, and shortly moved to Port Dover, which is in the, on the Eastern Basin. It's got the best perch across the whole Great Lakes and... It also, from a scientific perspective, Lake Erie has, as the smallest of the Laurentian Great Lakes, it, it has probably the, the most problems of, of them in terms of algal blooms, uh, invasive species, and, and the list goes on and on. And so from, a, it's sort of odd to say, but from a scientific perspective, it's, it's fascinating to, to study and to try to work with managers and, and policymakers on trying to you know, fix the problems.
2: So you, um, you work at IISD Experimental Lakes Area but we often claim that the work that we do goes on to help and protect North America's Great Lakes. How does what you do and how does the work that we do at ELA ultimately have an impact on the Laurentian Great Lakes?
0: Okay, so I think the work that we do at the ISD Experimental Lakes area has, has a lot of impact and a lot of relevance to our understanding and how to manage the Laurentian Great Lakes. I want to start by saying I, I've been in, incredibly fortunate that uh, not only did I you know, grow up around the Laurentian Great Lakes, but I've done my graduate work, my PhD, and some postdoctoral work on the Laurentian Great Lakes as well. And so I've sort of become in, trained in the science network, around those issues, and I still have that network, and it's, which is really valuable for me to keep understanding what the issues are and you know how to best engage on them. Since I've been at the IISD Experimental Lakes area, I would say that the work that we do there and what we're most known for is the whole lake experiments that we're able to do. Now, the Experimental Lakes area was actually started to address problems in Laurentian Great Lakes and other lakes around the world as well. And so, you know, even though the lakes that we work on now at the Experimental Lakes area are very small, they have a relevance to lakes of all sizes all around the world.
2: Are there a couple of examples of specific research that we've done at ELA that you can see either obvious applicability or actual impact on on those Great Lakes?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. The ISD Experimental Lakes area, and formerly known just as the Experimental Lakes area, was started in 19... 19- 68 to address problems of algal blooms on Laurentian Great Lakes. Now, at that time, there was a lot of scientific argument about what the ultimate cause of algal blooms were. We knew it was nutrients, but was it carbon? Was it nitrogen? Was it phosphorus? There was a lot of pushback from industry, especially the detergent industries. And the cost of management was, was going to be extremely high. So Policymakers and managers wanted to know with some certainty if they were going to invest hundreds of millions and billions of dollars in addressing this algal bloom problem, that they wanted to have a very strong scientific case for it. And so that's why the Experimental Lakes Area was designed and built, and a number of experiments have occurred there, still are occurring, on studying the drivers of algal blooms and the solutions to uh, mitigating their impacts. So that's certainly the first scientific issue that that the Experimental Lakes area addressed, directly applicable to the Laurentian Great Lakes. The second was acidification. And the Laurentian Great Lakes weren't as impacted as many smaller lakes around, but there were still issues in in the Laurentian Great Lakes and their watersheds. Eastern North America was heavily impacted by acid rain. And there was a lot of questions at that time about what acidity level or pH should we manage lakes towards? And there was a lot of uncertainty about what it should be. And the, the experimental lakes area and the, and the research that was done in the, in the 1970s and early 1980s really did address this question and said, you know here is the pH levels that we have to stay above. We need to reduce the problem of acid rain to this sort of this level in order for it to see our lakes come back. And then since then there's been a lot of studies on, uh, at the experimental lakes area on things like hormones, from birth control pills, for example, and contaminants. A lot of things that come through sewage treatment plants that we don't treat, and those all go into the Laurentian Great Lakes. But it's often really hard to study them in the Laurentian Great Lakes because of this issue that we call multiple stressors. So there's a lot of potential stressors that are are impacting the Laurentian Great Lakes, but it's really hard to isolate any individual one. And so... The work that we do at the ISD Experimental Lakes area allows us, because we're so remote, allows us to isolate individual stressors and look at their impacts on the environment. Right, so
2: let's change gear a bit and change the job feet. What do you know about the African Great Lakes, another set of Great Lakes, and what are some obvious comparisons and maybe even differences between the two?
0: So the African Great Lakes, I have been also very fortunate to be able to do my master's degree research on Lake Malawi, which is one of the Rift Valley lakes, one of the African Great Lakes. And it was an eye-opening experience. It was an amazing opportunity Those lakes, like the Laurentian Great Lakes, are massive in their size, and it's like working on small oceans. Lake Malawi is, you know, 700 kilometers long, 70 kilometers across, and 700 meters deep. It's a ginormous lake by any standard. And the other lakes are, the Valley lakes are, are great in so many respects. One of the big differences between the Laurentian Great Lakes and the African Great Lakes is their age. So the Laurentian Great Lakes formed about 14,000 years ago as the glaciers retreated. And the African Great Lakes formed about 20 million years ago when the Rift Valley was uh, created in East Africa. And because the African Great Lakes are so old, there's just been an incredible opportunity for evolution to occur. And so the sort of the species assemblages that you find in these East African Great Lakes are just so much different and the, the biodiversity is so much different than it is in the Laurentian Great Lakes. And it's been absolutely fascinating to, to study and to compare to our uh, North American uh, lakes and North American Great Lakes. I think w- one of the really cool things when I worked there as a graduate student was to see that this very, very diverse community of of cichlid fishes that live in the lake. And these cichlids live in the other African Great Lakes as well, but they're often different species. Many of the species are endemic to each individual lake, meaning they occur nowhere else in the world. And so it's incredibly important to conserve and preserve them. I did a lot of scuba diving when I was there, and uh, one of the things that I found is I'm sure, you know, I'd go back, I'd be there for a few months and I'd come back to Canada and then I'd go back to, to Malawi again. I'd be scuba dive again in the exact same spot. And I think I would see the exact same fish on the exact same rock. And, you know, these fish, these cichlids, many of them, we don't really have many of these species in North America, but these are species that eat algae, you know, graze algae off the bottom. Most of our fish here eat insects uh, or other invertebrates. And so at, they're like little lawnmowers. And, the, and so this little lawnmower that I'm sure I saw over repeated visits, eating up all the algae on, on, on this rock over and over. And that's what it did all day long. And it, But it just incredibly cool and so colorful. It's like being inside of an aquarium. Uh, it was just fascinating. And, of course, another major difference between the North American Great Lakes and the African Great Lakes is an obvious one, and that's temperature. You know, the, the Laurentian Great Lakes experience you know, everything from very frigid winters where where their water temperatures get down to close to zero uh, near the surface, where in the African Great Lakes, they stay in the 20 degrees Celsius to 30 degrees Celsius range for the entire year. And they've done that for millions and millions of years. And so this is obviously a really big difference. And it has really big implications on the, the flora and fauna that live in these lakes as well. So... A lot of similarities, a lot of differences too.
2: In terms of the threats, now my understanding is part of the inspiration for the partnership was the the complementarities between the two lakes, even though they may be biologically distinct. There are certain threats that are shared by both sets of Great Lakes. Could you speak a bit about that?
0: So there are a lot of threats that are common between the Laurentian Great Lakes and the African Great Lakes. Uh, And You know, one of the interesting things about engaging on this collaboration and and working on the African Great Lakes in the past is actually having this eye-opening experience of seeing how similar the threats are between them. Things like algal blooms are ubiquitous around the globe. They're a big problem in in Laurentian Great Lakes, especially Lake Erie. They're also an amazingly large problem on Lake Victoria, which is one of the African Great Lakes and one of the largest lakes in the world. There's other issues. Climate change is something that is occurring obviously across the planet and it has huge significance to how both sets of uh, lakes are going to exist for the next hundred or next a thousand years and the types of flora and fauna they're going to be able to maintain and, and the types of resources that they're going to provide to the local communities around them. There are threats that I thought were more unique to Laurentian Great Lakes and and to North America, that that I've been through this collaboration, my eyes have been opened. Oil exploration is an example um, that I didn't realize how important that was in in some of the African Great Lakes. And so, you know, we're just doing studies at the Experimental Lakes area on the uh, potential impact of oil spills on water quality and on the fauna that live there. This work ties in very closely to the threats that exist for the African Great Lakes as well. And, you know, the list really goes on and on. Almost every threat that we face in North American lakes and the Laurentian Great Lakes are also faced in the African Great Lakes too. So while the lakes may differ in their geographic context and in some cases their flora and their fauna, the threats they face are very, very similar. So, the partnership between the ISD and ISD Experimental Lakes area and ACARE. The way I see this partnership is that ACARE has existed for a number of years and has tried very hard to try to help coordinate scientific activities in the African Great Lakes region among uh, host countries and host institutions. So, all of the, there's, uh, uh, I believe, nine countries that surround the African Great Lakes. That's a lot of interjurisdictional potential issues there and a lot of barriers for scientists to uh, come together to try to collaborate on understanding it and mitigating the problems on the African Great Lakes. So ACARE has been trying for a long time to try to bring those groups together and those individuals together. And this collaboration between ACARE and now IISD and IISD Experimental Lakes area is, is trying to help build on the experiences that we have here in North America, both in terms of lake research and in terms of the sort of the collaborative frameworks that have been developed to understand the Laurentian Great Lakes and see if there's things that we can learn from those, that the North American context that, that are transferable to this African Great Lakes context. Some of them will be transferable and some won't. But, you know, why start from scratch?
2: Why not try to build on, on these types of things that have worked? And what role are you playing specifically? Because there are advisory groups. Um, are you playing a role in the advisory groups, and if so, what are you uh, what are you doing?
0: So my specific role uh, is is not a large one. I, there's others who are really dominating this relationship between the two groups. But I do play a role in the sense that I serve on on the monitoring advisory group and and maybe just sort of a general advisory group about the the general relationship between ACARE and uh, the ISD Experimental Lakes area. And I hope to play a stronger role in the actual science in the future as a a research scientist. The scientific questions are the things that I just find absolutely fascinating and are incredibly engaging. And so I'm hoping that our work with ACARE and all of these great scientists in, in these different countries are going to lead to really strong relationships and, and sharing graduate students and developing joint research projects and, and doing what, what I can to help facilitate the research projects that are going on in, in these lakes. Well, I certainly hope to get back to these African lakes again. I would absolutely love to visit Lake Malawi again know i've read so much about lake victoria i did get a chance to see it very very briefly during a meeting last year but you know the headwaters of the nile river and the incredible uh, species diversity and you know the scientific issues on on lake victoria which are very close to my scientific interests i really hope that this partnership leads to the, the potential for for myself, but you know, I think more importantly, our staff and fellow researchers to travel there, and for their researchers to travel here as well. I would love to be able to host visiting researchers and their students at the Experimental Lakes Area, and uh, try to find those synergies that uh, uh, that that are going to lead to these really good good research collaborations. Because that's often how it happens: is these these one-on-one meetings and conversations and things that lead to great projects. It's amazing how often that happens. You know, I think it behooves us as as an organization that believes in in, uh, international sustainability and and, uh, sort of citizens who care about sort of global issues and biodiversity that, you know, these lakes, these African Great Lakes are unique in so many ways and they've been so understudied that this partnership, uh, I'm hoping, can really lead, uh, lead to some very strong collaborative frameworks that allow for better monitoring, better science, and better policy making to protect these lakes. And, you know, I, I'm just so excited about this potential.
2: That was Scott Higgins, a research scientist with IISD Experimental Lakes Area. As we heard, the IISD-ELA is partnering with scientists who work on the African Great Lakes. So I wanted to learn more about these lakes. I tracked down Kevin Obiero, he's a research scientist with the Kenya Marine and Fisheries Research Institute on the shores of Lake Victoria. He spoke to me from Kisi in Kenya. Just tell me a little bit about yourself. So what first stoked your love for fresh water and the outdoors?
1: Thank you. I was born and raised around uh, Kisumu, that is on the shoreline of uh, Lake Victoria. As you all know, Lake Victoria is uh, one of the largest African great lakes. And uh, growing up, I remember that uh, we used to go doing fishing around the village. One of the tributaries of Lake Victoria, that is River Nyando, We used to find a lot of fish, Uh, so this really intrigued me. We had very unique species. Some of them were looking like ear heels, snakes, so this really stoked my interest. And I remember uh, growing up, we used to also play along the rivers, uh, sliding as young boys, playing with mud. And uh, growing along also, I remember, uh, in terms of fish, uh, we used to get these unique fish uh, species and also transportation so you could cross from one beach to another using a small boat and this was a very unique experience that was hatched in my memory and uh, the time I went to secondary school I was so good in uh, biology uh, so one of the species uh, that we used for experiment was fish so I would dissect and having that prior memory you know it, it was very very interesting and uh, When it came to time for me to join college, I was called upon to do fisheries and aquatic sciences, and people used to say, what are you going to study? You know, you want to be a fisherman, you know? As your forefathers, you need to do something better. (laughs) But I remember that I stuck to that course, even though there was an opening for me to, you know, do other things, uh, like tourism, but I I think uh, this was something that was already in my system, so... Yeah, I am doing what I love.
2: And so we're talking about the African Great Lakes. How would you describe them?
1: I would describe the African Great Lakes as some of the most highly valuable natural resources. They support uh, unique fisheries. They support quite a lot of uh, socioeconomics uh, of the the region uh, in terms of lake transport in terms of also tourism, in terms of even hydropower electric uh, generation. But these lakes, apart from the socioeconomics part of it, they also support quite a huge ecological support systems, especially they are known as the biological hotspots. In this, uh, they support uh, the ecosystem services that sustains over 50 million people in over 11 countries. So you find that they have quite a unique environments for some of the areas that are untapped, and also they have a lot of cultural and also aesthetic values. So what
2: are some little-known or interesting facts about those African Great Lakes?
1: We have the seven African Great Lakes. Each one of them is unique in its own. Take the case of Lake Victoria. Uh, this is one of the largest tropical lakes in the world. It is the second uh, you know, largest freshwater lake in the world. And it provides, you know, a host or a home for over 700 species. Some of these have not even been recorded, like the hypochromines, which are quite colorful, unique, and also endemic in the lake. And also, the lake Tanganyika is one of the second oldest freshwater lakes after, I think, Lake Baikal in Russia. It is also one of the second deepest Lakes in the world, and it's also supporting over two thousand species. So you can see how unique they are. We have Lake Turkana, uh, where I've also had a good working experience. This is one of the the largest, actually, uh, desert lake in the world. It is also alkaline lake, and Lake Turkana is also known as the cradle of mankind. You remember East Africa because of the evolutionary studies and paleontological studies. These are some of the Uh, where the discoveries of the early man uh, hominids uh, and and fossils have been found. Uh, One unique case is the Turkana Boy, uh, which is uh, preserved in one of the Kenyan museums. I want to say that these are also the banks of uh, of these lakes, uh, the shoreline, provide a home for many people. Remember that in most of the areas that are away from the lake, you find that They may not be productive in terms of agricultural practices. So you find a lot of movement towards the lake. So this migration patterns towards the lake. So that is why you see quite a number of of, of studies showing that there's a lot of population densities around these lakes. Secondly, uh, we find that they are also providing deep cultural and spiritual attributes. So, for example, baptism, water baptism, aesthetics, a lot of tourism. Right now, you find that uh, some of these lakes, uh, for example, like Victoria, reported studies, uh, you know, in terms of European explorers coming to see the lakes. So they also provide unique tourism potential. And more importantly, also food consumption, especially cheap, uh, nutritious uh, protein food that is very, very essential for the young children, the mothers, and also just the continent, because this is where protein foods are quite expensive, especially meat and also chicken. So fish is, is a very important diet for most of the people, residents in this region.
2: So back to you. So you work for KMFRI. So how is the work that you do specifically helping to protect the African Great Lakes?
1: Thank you for that. Uh, first of all, I want to say that uh, Kenya Marine and Fisheries Research Institute is a research uh, organisation dealing in aquatic sciences. And uh, not only that, it is uh, mandated uh, to conduct uh, and also generate and disseminate scientific information Uh, to the stakeholders, uh, primarily to ensure that we have increased food production. We also have increased incomes and also employment creation. So we really focus on all the water bodies in Kenya. Uh, So in my work at Chemfree, I coordinate research, administrative and financial functions as the center manager. And in this case, my work is just to align the institute's research plans with the strategic overview. Uh, so that we can be able to ensure that the fisheries and uh, sector contributes to the GDP and also to the livelihoods of the people. And in terms of my research experiences, I deal with the social, you know, ecological, cultural factors. That how how do people use these resources? How do they perceive lake resources? Where well, we looked at the the management, the co-management uh, practices around the lake. So. We have the beach institutions, beach management units. So how are they performing? So that is what motivates me in my research.
2: And let's think about the Laurentian Great Lakes. There's obviously great similarities between them. What are the obvious comparisons and maybe differences that you can see between the North American Great Lakes and those in Africa?
1: It's always good to have things in perspective. And uh, one thing I remember when I was in primary school, uh, one of the questions... uh, Uh, trivia was uh, which is the greatest lake you know largest lake in the world and it came as a natural that lake superior (laughs) was uh, was uh, the first and lake victoria which is in my neighborhood was was the second so this was quite unique and uh, i think uh, what i'm driving at is the sizes of this lake they're massive water bodies i had an opportunity to visit uh, canada and also michigan about two years ago I remember them as the homes. Uh, That is uh, Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie and uh, also Superior, uh, the famous. So that is uh, one way, uh, their sizes. A second thing that I may say as something which may differ also in terms of differences is the species, uh, you know, availability in terms of fish species. You find that uh, the five species reach Lakes In the African Great Lakes, uh, they host almost uh, 2,000 uh, species uh, with over 95% endemicity. Uh, uh, so you find that these fish cannot be found anywhere else in the world. And uh, this is within a surface area of around 150,000 kilometers squared. Compared to the Laurentian Great Lakes, which the five of them, I think from my statistics, they have only 176 species. Uh, with 3% enemicity, so that is, despite the large size of the Laurentian Great Lakes, almost 250,000 km squared surface area, they are quite, uh, I don't know, to say, they're not as species-rich uh, as compared to the African Great Lakes.
2: So let's think about ACARE. Now ACARE is now working with IISD. Um, how did this partnership of two organisations come about in the first place?
1: First of all, I remember that this started as a, as a personal research, you know, pursuit. And um, the development of ACARE goes way back into the early 2000s, where some of the most renowned scientists, uh, Eric Odada, and also our former board member, Bob Heckey, so, Bob and, uh, uh, and Eric had done a quite a lot of work in developing this concept because they were thinking how can we connect these African, uh, the, the Great Lakes of the world, because they share commonalities in terms of the threats uh, that are affecting them. And also, like we have said, they are also similar in certain ways in terms of their multi use resources, they have a transboundary in nature. They are inter-jurisdictional in nature, but the threats affecting them are the same. For example, you find climate change, you find algal blooms. So there are these ideas. We started muting this idea. How can we revive uh, this idea of connecting and coordinating research? So, uh, at first we we realized some of the basics is that uh, no organization in the world can work alone. Uh, to address some of these massive challenges we also had the uh, benefit of hindsight that uh, past research efforts to address some of the challenges that we have mentioned were often short-term they were parochial in nature they were not being able to be compared for example you cannot compare data sets in lake tanganyika and lake victoria for example in terms of monitoring so this prevents regional you know planning and uh, uh, we also realized that uh, these foundational issues made us to form a care. Along the way, we have realized that uh, there are other organizations, just as we realized that there is no one institution that can work alone. So one of the organizations we have partnered with is IISD ELA, uh, which is one of the most influential freshwater research facilities in the world. It goes way back, uh, 58 years of experience. This was quite... Um, a valuable experience because we know that we want to develop perpetual systems. So, uh, uh, ISD can provide that uh, you know insight and experience. And secondly, we be- believe that this partnership can provide an opportunity for us uh, to develop uh, trans uh, you know transboundary because uh, ISD is also developing dealing with such kind of issues. So we realized that we share commonalities, which if we can join hands together, we can be able to move uh, some, uh, make some difference in these lakes. So that is how this partnership came about, realizing that there are commonalities, but also that with the experience and hindsight of what ISD ELA has done, we could benefit from those experiences in developing and addressing issues in the African Great Lakes.
2: What excites you most personally about this partnership?
1: I think these partnerships gives us uh, one of the most valuable things and I treasure is, is, is networking. Uh, because you may think, you know, we have an African saying, you may think your mother is cooking the best meal, uh, wait until you taste another dish or meal somewhere, is when you realise that culinary skills vary and uh, they're unique. So. One thing I value is is networks. So I believe this partnership gives us a chance to have long-term research uh, networks. And we are not only doing this at personal level, we are also doing it at regional level. For example, under our we have developed uh, lake advisory groups, committees, similar to like the lake committees in the Laurentian Great Lakes. Remember, the Great Lakes Fishery Commission has initiated some of these experiences since 1954. So we are learning from a global audience, and uh, through these experiences, we have bringing in experts on board from both the Great Lakes of the Wild, and uh, we are increasing our partnership, and uh, through these partnerships and networks, We believe that we can be able to benefit from experiential learning. And uh, luckily, we have also joined hands with uh, ISD ELA. Uh, This, we believe, is also expanding our networks and also making us to do our work better at personal and also at corporate level.
2: And what are the things that you hope will come from this partnership?
1: One thing, you know, we we have faced uh, as a challenge is I've mentioned that most of the research efforts are short-term. So we believe that this, this uh, partnership will allow us to do joint proposal uh, development. Already we have initiated efforts and so far some of our programs have gotten uh, uh, some bit of funding. So joint proposal writing is one of them. We also believe in collaborative research and capacity building for the next generation of African scientists. So far, I think AKEA and ISD have joined hands, and this is also supported at both board level, to develop the African Women in Science program. I believe that this is a game changer in the region, especially for freshwater scientists who are young, dynamic, and ready to solve the problems. It takes local solutions to solve local challenges but it also takes a global community to address global challenges so lastly I also believe that this uh, partnership also gives us a chance to form annual or biannual you know meetings uh, where we can be able to strengthen science have uh, uh, monitoring uh, set monitoring, harmonized monitoring uh, data sets. B- remember that ISD has long-term monitoring programs, so we can be able to share some of those experiences and share these findings in uh, conferences. So we had a conference in 2017, May. We believe that if we can be able to have another global uh, you know, conference for five, another in the next five years, we can have the young scientists presenting their work, getting to be known, getting to network and through those opportunities getting more chances to build their capacity in terms of master's program phd programs and also not only that leadership and mentorship programs they say it takes a village to do something so for now we have because of the issues that we have COVID challenges that has really disrupted a lot of issues in the global economy Right now, we have had a, a good uh, uh, working uh, through virtual systems where we have set up uh, harmonized uh, advisory groups who are now trying to harmonize research, also trying to study and share their experiences through through this forum. Secondly, we want to, as I've said earlier, uh, that uh, we want to partner and participate. I, as Ma- as Kevin want to participate and have been participating in proposal writing because we believe that some of our programs like uh, the AWIS program, the, 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 the lake advisory groups and also scholarship opportunities will only be available if we have increased funding. So this is one of the things that uh, we are participating in and planning for the future. So, through these uh, virtual meetings, the ISD ELA team, ACARE team, even at board level, we have been able to. I'm now a member of the ISD ELA uh, board and also the board chair of ACARE. So, through this, at least I'm able to get a strategic, uh, give to a strategic leadership uh, that can be able to transcend some of the short term, you know, parochial research that has been going on in the region. So, I believe that uh, this forum. Uh, that we have created has given us a great platform to share experiences. Getting your voice out there, one thing I've realized as a young researcher who was developing is that global exposure. I believe that this forum, uh, I studied in Europe, but I've gotten a chance to visit Canada and also the U.S. and other Asian countries, I believe that if some of us young African scientists can be able to get such opportunities, then they can get the global exposure and then be able to now solve, uh, you know, the local challenges. Having that worldview, uh, that these challenges we are experiencing in our backyards are also affecting other people. So I believe that my passion now is to ensure that I open the door for other young people. Who are coming in and uh, getting uh, one thing i've also valued uh, is is the good working relationship we have developed with isd team i remember matt my candles and also with dimple uh, you as we have been working together this creates a good opportunity for us to build on our networks and also our experiences and make a difference however small we are moving in the right direction thank you
2: That was me speaking with Kevin Obiero, a research scientist with the Kenya Marine and Fisheries Research Institute. Be sure to stay tuned to iisd.org forward slash ELA to keep up to date on where our work on the African Great Lakes is headed, and to learn more about those lakes. Albert, Edward, Kivu, Malawi, Nyasa Nyasa, Tanganyika, Turkana and Victoria. Thank you for listening to Down to Earth a podcast from the International Institute for Sustainable Development IISD is an independent think tank that delivers the knowledge to act Through research, science and analysis we tackle the root causes of some of the greatest challenges facing our planet today Find out more at iisd.org and iisd.org forward slash ela This episode was created by me Smeep Bath. Thanks also to Scott Higgins, Kevin Obiero, and Ted Lawrence. Down to Earth is produced by Carmen Klassen.